0: I am Amber Bull, and I'll make a brief modification to that introduction. Uh, way back in uh, January, when I first wrote that up, I was a fifth-grade teacher, but I am full-time outdoor education, so I do not teach fifth grade anymore. So that's an ex- exciting uh, change in my position, which I'll tell you all about. So I've got a couple of goals for our presentation this morning. First of all. Uh, I'm gonna start by telling you the story of our outdoor education program at Fremont Christian, just in hopes of inspiring um, how you could implement outdoor ed in your own setting. So whether that's starting your own program or if you're just a classroom teacher who loves nature and you wanna get your class outside. um, I also then have tips and tricks that we have learned along the way in hopes that you can take something today to integrate into your own classroom. So kind of have a two-fold year for the presentation. And without, I cannot move forward without also just sharing how this is, our whole outdoor education program is not by our works, but a provision of the Lord. And that's just something that I've seen from the get-go in our program. And I want you to know that I just come very humbly and honored uh, to speak to you today. And that um, my hope is that the Lord's provision is just evident in our presentation and that the way that he has provided um, this program and the space I just feel like a servant to him, and that I can bring his creation to his children, and um, I'm just able to teach directly in creation, and that's a gift, and I'm just honored to be part of God's plan in this way. Um, so I needed to start with some verses, and these are verses that I say with the students also. This is Job twelve seven through 10. But ask the animals, and they will teach you. Or the birds of the sky, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. Which of these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Psalm 19, 1 4. The heavens declare the glories of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them. Yet, their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In Psalm 8, 3 and 4, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place,
1: what is mankind that you are
0: mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? So, uh, rooted in the Lord and what he's done in my life, I also feel... Uh, I should introduce you to myself because my roots have uh, just a strong influence in the position that I'm in today. So, I grew up on dairy farm. Uh, You can see me milking a cow up there. Uh, And then I grew up doing 4-H animals, so I had my steers and my pigs and my uh, Norwegian fjord horses. And agriculture is deeply in my roots, which comes out in my teaching. My husband is also deeply rooted in agriculture. He grew up uh, working on a vegetable farm, and our getaway uh, tractor is what we had at our wedding there. And currently, my husband and I we have three girls, and we own our own farm. We are chicken farmers, uh, and we have full family farm. We raise meat birds and pasture-raised um, poultry and eggs, and sell it the farmer's market, so I think it's important for you to know that about me, that I just love agriculture and what the Lord has given us um, through the earth. We are also avid creation enjoyers, as it said, this is us in the UP last weekend, just hiking around finding waterfalls, so um, that's a little bit about who I am. Our school is Fremont Christian, you can see we're in the middle of West Michigan over there, and we are a preschool to 8th grade uh, school. We have two tracks you can choose when you're in kindergarten. You can hit the Outdoor Education track, or you can um, join the Spanish Emergent track, and that goes through fifth grade. So kindergarten through fifth grade, you're in one of those programs. And then starting in middle school, they merge together, and they are um, one group, the Outdoor Ed Kids and Spanish Emergent Kids, and then they um, get both at that point in our middle school. Um, so a bit about our story, how we started up. We started five years ago, uh, around this time, and it was all a teacher-led initiative. So I hope that's inspiring to you, as teachers, that uh, this began within the ranks of, of the teachers. And the reason why is uh, we noticed our community was so rich in agriculture. We are. Fremont is the home of Gerber baby food, and so there's agriculture all around us, and thinking about place-based learning, if we have all of this at our fingertips, how can we use it to educate students? We are also looking to diversify our educational programs because we had started Spanish immersion, and at that other time, the opposite choice was, we just called it English, which is the other strand, right? The, The kind of traditional teaching, and so how can we diversify Uh, that side of the other opposite program. We visited some other OE programs around West Michigan and we started researching the benefits of OE and so we came together as teachers in 2018 and presented that to the school board and they approved us. So we hosted a parent information night uh, and at that time we decided all of kindergarten through fifth grade of the English strand would switch the next year into outdoor education so parents choosing kindergarten would know we are choosing kindergarten outdoor education, but the parents who are already in the first through fourth grade automatically got put into outdoor education, which took a little bit of uh, you know, providing information and the why. So I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on the why outside because I'm hoping that since you're here, you already believe in the why for outside. I could be a whole nother, uh, maybe next year, we can do that one. Uh, but I do want to tell you a few excerpts that I um, enjoy from the book Balanced and Barefoot, which, by the way, at the end of this, I have a book list of the things that I've read and colleagues have read, and I will get that out to you. Um, I'll also have a link for this whole slideshow presentation, too. So I'm read this to you. Uh, this says, The cold, hard truth is that when you compare today's children to past generations, they just can't keep up. Children are getting weaker, less resilient, and less imaginative. They're having trouble paying attention in school, experiencing difficulty controlling emotions, and having trouble safely navigating their environment. Maybe you've noticed that in your classrooms. The good news? There is hope for your child. The answer is really quite straightforward. Active free play, ideally outdoors, is essential for your child's sensory and motor development. Allowing your children time and space to play outdoors on a daily basis can significantly improve and encourage healthy development. And from there she goes into the outdoors offers the perfectly balanced sensory experience. Outdoors inspires the mind. Uh, For the body you can work on gross motor skills, core and upper body strength, endurance, postural control, coordination, fine motor skills, sensory integration, and for the mind, social emotional skills and cognitive skills. So as we uh, moved into our first year uh, here's what it looked like for us. The, the K-5 to teachers all committed to getting outside with students and planning OE lessons tied into their grade level standards. That was a commitment from each of the teachers in those grade levels. We hosted OE program meetings, and we brainstormed together because the power of the collection of teachers um, to brainstorm together is, is, is powerful, right? We uh, come up with ideas together. And we created some outdoor spaces to promote learning because if you build it, they will come, right? And so as we put things outside, it made it easier transition for teachers to bring lessons outside. And at that point, on our first year that was in 2019, I became the outdoor ed director, along with being a full-time fifth grade teacher. Uh, And so I saw each class once a week for an OE special, while my fifth graders happened to be in other specials. And maybe you're thinking, that's a lot, and it was. (laughs) But it was worth it. This is a slide from our parents um, information informational meeting that we started uh, because we were trying to think of what could parents possibly wonder about when it comes to outdoor ed, and uh, what about the cold and the wet weather? And this is what we told them: teachers will decide if the weather is too extreme to go outside. Extreme probably being the key word there. But there will be times when we are outside in cold and wet weather. Proper clothing and dressing and layers. Is we will include the necessary attire in the supply list for next year which I have provided here for you. So this is our school supply list for the outdoor education students. So we have the typical classroom supply list and then this is tacked on to the bottom for all kindergarten through 5th grade Okay. So this is expected out of all of the students to have it there um, at all times. Uh, I will say that not everyone follows it uh, perfectly but I also don't let that Stop us from getting outside. Um, kids who are old enough to know the difference, we just let them get wet or muddy or cold because that's how you learn, right? And maybe next time they'll bring rain pants um, or tell their parents they um, need to bring something. in. when it comes to kindergartners, we have a little more leeway because they don't have as much choice in what they have, at, um, you know, what they brought to school. Uh, but for, for the most part, uh, yeah, this is our, our gear and what is expected on our supplies. So our framework is similar to how we started. Kindergarten through 5th grade receives one outdoor ed class per week. With me, uh, the outdoor ed teachers plan additional outdoor lessons that fit into their grade level standards. We go on program-wide field trips. We have two a year. We have a camp experience in the fall, and then we head to the Muskegon Winter Sports Complex in the winter. And then being full-time now as the outdoor ed director, we're working on planning uh, and creating an outdoor ed curriculum. I make connections with the community, plan field trips. Um, And I'll say our first year of outdoor ed was the year of COVID, so that made it tricky for planning field trips and community connections. And now as we're kind of getting back into a more normal routine, we're starting to build more of those. Um, I plan the outdoor spaces, manage budget and supplies, and so on. So we have four standards that we wrote for our program. Um, Number one being we are earth keepers and creation enjoyers. Uh, Maybe if you're familiar with the language of teaching for transformation, uh, that's where that comes from. Um, And so these are our, 60 years from now, what do we hope the students of Fremont Christian School uh, get out of their outdoor education? And this is it. We hope that students respond to God's call to care for creation, students actively pursue renewal and restoration in God's creation, and that students take joy in creation, and see how creation points us back to our Creator. This is my deep hope, again, for Teaching for Transformation. Uh, I tell this to the students before our outdoor ed lessons. I deeply hope you find God's fingerprints dwelling in all of creation. And together, we will worship God by stewarding creation well. Second standard is for the teachers of the outdoor education program um, that we call our program indoor-outdoor learning because we take what we learn inside as the grade level standards and then also use outside as maybe like a metaphorical third teacher, right? So we use the outdoors as an extension of our walls of our classroom. Um, So that's connecting the grade level standards to the outdoors. Uh, Here are some examples from each grade level um, written by those teachers. So kindergarten, uh, a big thing for kindergarten is exploring and learning outside, how to interact with one another, and so free time exploration uh, is a pretty big um, part of the kindergarten world. First grade, here's an example of them um, planting. They actually planted pumpkins in the fall as kindergartners and then harvested them. Um, I said that wrong. They planted it as kindergartners in the spring and then harvested it in the fall as first graders. Second graders experienced how difficult it must have been for the pilgrims to find shelter and enough food to survive their first winter in America. Third and fourth graders studied fossils. They made fossil prints in the snow with items found in the outdoors. They then excavated the different layers of fossils buried in the snow. Fifth grade, we practiced oral tradition through reading our written folk tales around the fire that we built. Uh, And fifth grade, measuring in the hoop house. And do you ever think of just like the first snowfall as the biggest whiteboard that's ever been created? Uh, And so that's what we did. We wrote uh, equations in the snow. Our third standard is creating community connections, um, like I was saying about the place-based education. Like, we want to use what's around us, what the Lord has provided us with in our space, um, and, you know, learn from there. Uh, And so off-site learning, creating connections with our local agriculture, because we are deeply rooted in agriculture in Fremont. And then the final one um, being engaging in formational learning exper- experiences. So, and this is where I head up um, quite a bit of the, the overarching projects for all, each grade level. Um, and that's seasonal, ongoing projects that are rooted in opportunity to practice living out the kingdom story, We I mean, engage in real work, to meet real needs of real people. We see how our outdoor education is a God-given opportunity to do kingdom work. Um, So in our first two years, we focused highly on those first two. Like, let's get kids outside, let's see what's around us, uh, and let's connect what we're teaching inside to outside. And in our years three and four, this is our fourth year of outdoor education, we're trying to get more into three and four of the standards there. So connecting with the community, bringing community members in to talk and share their knowledge, and creating these formational learning experiences. So that is the background, the background of where um, I'm coming from and where our school is. And so from here on out, I just wanna share with you tips and tricks that we have learned along the way in hopes that uh, you can implement them in your K-5 to classrooms or beyond. So my goal for this, um, these next sections is, this is what we have done. Uh, Take what you want, but apply it to your own setting, right? Because you're all educators, and you know how to creatively brainstorm and steal ideas and make them your own, so please do that. Here are some of our formational learning experiences. So the first thing we did the first year of Outer Ed is we built a hoop house. So that picture in the middle is the start. It is just stakes in the ground, and we find it important to have the kids part of every step of the way, because first of all, hard work is important, and work ethic, and when they're involved in it, then it's meaningful to them, and they own this space, and so that was important to us. So uh, they did everything from removing the sod, (laughs) daily it felt like, uh, loads and loads of uh, wheelbarrows. They helped plot out where the raised beds would go, and for our hoop house, just a little background, We made it long enough in hopes that the front half could be a growing space, and then the back half could be a learning space that was protected from the elements. So that's why you see the front half is um, tore up and the back half is grass. Uh, So there are the fifth graders measuring. I had different grade levels come in and spread the mulch and spread the um, fertilizer and mixing it in in those photos. And then this is what we planted the first year. So when you're thinking about vegetables, right, the school season it's much different than our growing season, and that that serves you know that's a complication. And so here's what we here's what we tried. I've, a lot of our first year was let's just try it and see what happens. And so kindergartners planted spinach, first graders carrots, carrots, second graders radishes, third and fourth graders mixed greens, and fifth grade vit. Never heard of it, but it's a winter green, and we planted it. And so uh, there you can see different grade levels of planting. Uh, We planted directly into the soil the first year as if it was just a garden over cover. Um, Well, I'll tell you how that went here in a minute. (laughs) Uh, The beds were slightly big for little arms, you know, for kindergartners through fifth graders. Uh, It was hard for them to reach the centers of some of these, so you'll see in a little while the updates to the hoop house. They got smaller, but that is what our planted hoop house looked like. You can see we planted it before we even had the tarp on because we had to get it in the soil in September so that it would, you know, have a chance to grow here in Michigan. We had a team of people come, including some 8th graders with their dads, and they helped put the tarp on. Um, I should also say, my husband and I, we put this, So if you're wondering, who puts in hoop houses? I don't know. My husband and I put this one in because he's also a builder. Um, So uh, they helped us cover that. Inside the hoop house, we also built mini hoops for frost protection. So these are just dowels that I bought at the hardware store. And then I had them slice them in half, and we push them in the ground. And then, oh boy, what's that called? Pests? Pets. pets thank you. Uh, a plumbing supply, uh, and then you just—I made sure I had a dowel that fit it, and then they just flopped them in there, and we made our own, our own hoops inside the hoop house. So, um, yeah, I had someone donate a lot of milk crates, which I highly recommend getting milk crates because they work good as seats, and they also work good for carrying things, uh, and they look—you know—work good for weights. They weighted down our uh, tarp there. This is like a frost protectant tarp that we got and so we were able to extend our growing season anymore even more than that. As you can see she's full of snow even on her boots and yet we still have things growing inside of hoop houses. So much of our first year focused on growing things inside of our hoop house. I would say if you do not have a hoop house you very much could have just raised beds, start growing things right away in September, build these little mini hoops and you could have an extended growing period Past the first frost, I would say. And some of these um, vegetables, I mean, they, they can be just 40 to 50 day vegetables, and you can already have a product. So there they are with radishes and greens and spinach, which the kids all told me they don't eat those things. But when we grow them in the hoop house, we do eat these things. And I made a big hype over, but hoop house lettuce is. Better. And they agreed with me. Even my own daughter, there in the purple shirt, she was in the first kindergarten outdoor ed class. Uh, I mean, I see her at home and she didn't eat lettuce, but there she ate lettuce, so I think that's pretty exciting to be able to get um, kids excited about eating lettuce. We bought some salad spinners, um, just had some tubs for washing it off this is also before COVID so maybe I don't know if people think about germs now more than we did before but whatever (laughs) we're all fine Uh, here are the updates to the hoop house now Um, we put raised beds along the side because like I said those initial beds were uh, I think they're three feet wide maybe so they're kind of hard to reach the center to weed them or to harvest from them Uh, from the dairy farm I could get these barrels that they um, would put cleaning solution in, and so we cut them in half. These were all free for us. We cut them in actually into thirds and made our own raised beds out of those. Um, I did buy one galvanized one from the back to make it look nice. <laughs> uh, but whatever, we're just growing things, so it's okay if it, if it looks what it looks like. Uh, I will also say the hoop house is now in its third, almost fourth year, and it needs a lot of repairs. Uh, you can see. The, the zipper is broke breaking, and uh, so we're working on repairs. That's one thing. I guess I didn't know much about hoop houses from the get go is the amount of repair that's needed. So if you are thinking about getting a hoop house, um, maybe yeah, just come. I'll tell you about ours if you'd like more information. But I'll move on for now. Here's a, another formational learning experience. Um, Growing flowers, and so our long-term learning target was, as an Earthkeeper, I can grow flowers to share beauty as an act of service. And so uh, we use a lot of milk cartons as our growing containers because they're free, and you get hundreds of them daily, right? And so why not save them from the trash and just quick rinse them out with some water, some sudsy water, uh, cut the tops off. I always had the kids punch holes in with the scissors, and then just this year I realized, why not use thumbtacks? That would be a lot easier than scissors, so there's another tip for you I never even thought about until this year. So we filled those with soil. Uh, I can grow a flower from seed to bloom by planting it and caring for it weekly. I, we did purchase a three-tiered um, indoor growing light system so that uh, we could have that inside. I can observe and record the growth in my flower. Uh, we used spray bottles for spraying keeps it a little easier. 20 sprays. (laughs) I can describe the growth cycle from seed to plant. Uh, And this actually was in the year uh, 2020, so we did not get to see this project to fruition. Um, But uh, we did start growing flowers that year. Maple syrup uh, is one of my favorite projects. I can share the good of God's great blessing of maple syrup by collaborating with my classmates to create an informational book to pass on to the next fifth grade class. We happen to have a maple tree right outside our fifth grade classroom. And so we said, let's tap it. And so we did. And it's actually very easy. If you have a maple tree on your property, you can make maple syrup. So, uh, well, sugar maple or red maple. So uh, we uh, I had my husband come in to help with this, uh, to bring his drill. And so we let the kids drill a hole in the, the tree, and we tapped it, and we put the buckets out. And every day, first thing in the morning, before 8 a.m., they wanted to empty the buckets. They are so excited about collecting their sap. Um, once we collected enough, after two weeks, we, uh, we boiled it. We had a big boiling day. And we just hung out outside and did our lessons outside all day. We boiled it. It took from 8 a.m. until about, ooh, that might have been like 5 p.m., so past them leaving because it takes a long time. Uh, and we made, this was our first year, we made those um, two like half pints. And so we decided to have a pancake party for ourselves. Maybe we should have shared it, but we, we ate it ourselves the first year. The second year, uh, last year when I did this again, we had um, a higher yield, and so we actually uh, canned it, and then we donated it to the school auction, and so then we sold it as an auction item um, to make money for our program. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and then here's a the last flex project I'll show you. Uh, it's just our composting flex. I can see the goodness of God's plan for regeneration on the earth. I can be the good by diverting waste and rebuilding soil. I can share the good by writing an opinion piece encouraging others to join, which there's one there. So we noticed our trash can was severely uh, overflowing and we wanted to do something about it and so that brought um, reducing food waste through composting. So we started measuring our scraps and buckets and um, just for our class alone and they were just amazed with the amount of waste that we could save um, from just going into landfills. And so we decided to purchase this um, composter. I had the kids put it together, because I'm not good at putting things together, and they they just they had a ball figuring it out, and they put it together, and they followed the instructions, and it stood up straight, and we were thankful. We put it outside, right outside our door, because thinking about proximity is important, and so where could the kids always quickly take our bucket of food, the, um, the kitchen bucket of food from Hot Lunch, And then dump it and so um, we had it near the doors and the very first year or we just started that this spring and so by may we had just half of one of those it's a dual chamber we had half of it filled up to the brim i mean even like packing it down and filling it to the brim and so this fall when we came back I didn't touch it all summer because it, there were maggots in it, and I read it's okay that there's maggots in it. We um, might have put too much like, you know, canned corn in there or something from the hot lunch program. Um, but when we came back, this is what it looked like. And so, the next year's fifth grade class, the current one, they emptying it, emptied it on this tarp, we brought it out to the hoop house, and we put it in there. And that's that's the hot hot lunch food waste that's going right back into our hoop house. So, that just brings my heart a lot of joy. I hope that brings you some joy. Uh, These are the projects we're working on, my flex projects for our um, grades this coming year, this year right now. Kindergartners being just explorers and community helpers, first grade, uh, bugs, second grade, seed dispersal, we're thinking about starting a seed library at some point. And then leaves, tree identification, paper and recycling and 5th graders are keeping up with composting. The middle is our second trimester. I don't know yet what we'll do during the winter time. There's a couple of things. And then the spring I really want to focus on agriculture because that's something we haven't hit up much. Um, and so living in an agriculture community, that's what I would like to do. Here are some of our outdoor spaces and places. Uh, out by our hoop house there is no water, which when you are putting in a raised bed or garden of any kind, Uh, be mindful of where your water is and how far away you would have to run hoses. Uh, We put our hoop house where there was no water, and thinking that at some point we would build a barn back there and we would drill for water, Uh, that hasn't happened yet, and we're four years in, so we have a rain barrel um, that collects water from the gutter. Um, A dad of one of my students was a gutter guy, so he was able to hook us up with that. There's another one of those barrels from my dad's farm, and we just put a uh, spigot out the bottom, and there we go. Then this happened last winter. I forgot to open up the bottom for a drip over Christmas break, and when we got back, we had a lesson on um, expanding, right? Maybe I planned it. So now I have a dual system, Uh, rain water. These are 55-gallon drums, and frequently last fall, uh, we were draining the whole thing when there was a spell without water, and so... um, So when we redid it I added two so that would again be my recommendation. We have um, stump circles. We put out on Facebook, does anyone have a tree that you are cutting? And people brought us stumps so we got these all for free. Uh, We have a stump circle with a fire pit. Uh, We ended up purchasing a mass mini barn. It's a 10 foot by 20 foot outdoor classroom. does not have Heat or electricity uh, but it's just a space that can block rain and wind it opens on both sides and it has some skylights in it so that's just another place that we can go and we have a stump circle around that the stump circles are wonderful but sometimes as a teacher you want them all facing you and so we also have this like stadium seating stumps um, that are lined up there and as I said we have the kids do all of the work because if one kid moves one stump That's pretty easy. If I have to move 30 stumps, that's a lot of work, right? And so they enjoy it. They like doing hard work, most of them. Uh, We found a corner of our school that was just a corner, and so we thought maybe we could use that. And so we built these raised beds around it. We filled it with this pea gravel, um, planted some mums and tulips in it because we could see those still when the school year was around. Put another stump circle in there. And just another gathering area. So maybe if you take a walk around your school you'll find just random nooks and crannies like this that you could utilize. We put in a sandbox. We did not have one of those. The preschoolers um, got a mud kitchen. Again just put out a plea for who has things that they could donate to a mud kitchen and the things just came in. There's a big cement um, sink that they have. The back is just all pallets Um, Someone was having an estate sale and just brought in a ton of pots and pans. She has a like a raised bed that's not growing anything. It's literally just they can dig up the soil in a contained area. Uh, And then many many fun things in there. mud kitchen. The meeting house or the meeting space in the hoop house, which I already talked about. And then we have been blessed with a lot of just beautiful natural spaces. I realize that this is probably special to us and a blessing for us at our school that not all groups have, but this is actually just a line of trees that's in the back of our parking lot, and um, it's become a magical place for our students. I would describe it as terabithia, honestly, uh, and I've, I've had a parent say to me before, so an outdoor ed, like, they just go to those trees? Uh, yeah, they just go to those trees, and she didn't... Like, it didn't register with her that, like, just a group of trees, kids can find just motivation and inspiring as a place uh, to play and to be, even up into I mean, the fifth graders and beyond, they go back when they're in middle school and they, they walk through, it's two, two trees deep, <laughs> and so there's uh, these paths through it, and, um, yeah, we've got a tree line. We are blessed with a, it's just a retention pond, but we call it a pond. Uh, and then we also, in the back of our property, we call it the big woods, um, we go out there sometimes, but the trees out there have been affected by the emerald ash borer, and so many of the trees are falling, so we don't get out there as much um, due to it being slightly unsafe. I was out there once when a tree fell, and you know the saying, you know, if a tree falls and no one's there, it doesn't make a sound. I was there and it does make a sound, and it's scary, and we got out of there. So, here are outdoor education, rules that we set, we find that about anything that you would want rule-wise kind of fits into the two categories of, one, we are safe, two, we are respectful, uh, and that res- uh, applies to the space that we are in, the people that we are with, and to ourselves, so, you know, is throwing a rock, is that safe? No, right? Climbing way too high in a tree, is that safe? No. Pulling the bark off of a tree. Is that respectful? No. So uh, we are clear to establish where the boundaries are, and that's different for different grades, but setting that up right away is important. We establish meeting places. When I blow the whistle, we will come to this tree, uh, and that makes a difference. Our tree climbing rule is, yes, you can climb trees as long as your teacher can still touch you, and unfortunately for them, I am short, but Mr. Falkenlow, who's in here, is slightly taller than me, so that class is lucky they can climb a little higher. Uh, and then just discussing right up front, how do we handle materials like sticks and rocks? You can play with them, but are you safe and are you respectful? All right, I'm gonna blast you with just lots of, lots of ideas. I have a lot of pictures, and I am hopeful that uh, you can apply them to your situations in some way. <coughs> the biggest part of outdoor education for us is just unstructured outdoor play for a certain amount of time. So this is the kindergarten class. That's my daughter Ivy at the bottom down there. And it's amazing to me, this was the first week of school, that group of boys, they worked together to carry this huge tree trunk from one side of the tree line to the other, just on their own, doing that teamwork, which I find just that just floors me. Uh, this boy in the middle was building a mousetrap, and he, it kept falling, and he kept finding new materials and trying to put it under it, and it would fall, and he would try again and try again. This uh, this is a like community fort. They all call it theirs. Every time I take a class to the tree line, they say, "Mrs. Bull, there's our fort." And I say to myself, "That's what every grade says. There's my fort. There's our fort." Uh, and these are the kinds of lessons that you know we want to manufacture teamwork strategies and engineering strategies. And they did it themselves in the first week of kindergarten, just being outside. That's pretty exciting. Some other ways we use outdoor exploration. Are, uh, it pro- provides one-on-one time with the students. So many of our K to two teachers will have unstructured play time, but then they will bring out their fluency lists so or their, um, you know, their math facts, and they'll sit in a chair, and then they'll call one student up at a time to practice their facts, practice, you know, whatever they're working on in their grade level standards. The rest of the kids are out playing, and they get the one-on-one time. I also noticed that in my early years of outdoor Ed, I like to hang it over their heads, like, if we can get our science lesson done, we can go outside, like, are you behaving? We're going to go outside, and I found that, like, my my mindset was wrong in that. If I brought them out first for 10 minutes, 15 minutes of just unstructured play, these are fifth graders right here, uh, when we got in, they were wonderful at their lesson, right? They were reset, they were calmed, they were ready to work, they had... You know their energy out, they were focused, and that that became more of a model for how I did my indoor teaching as I started outside, brought it inside after that. This seems obvious, but reading outside, (laughs) caring for our spaces is a big part of, especially when we come back in the fall, uh, have them do everything. Uh, My favorite phrase is, these are tools, not, and they all chant, chant toys. Tools, not toys. When it comes to any type of, you know, you know bug catching supply, hoe, garden uh, wheelbarrow, trowel, anything, and so we practice that. We say that often: tools, not toys. Devotions, writing psalms, going for prayer walks. We started a middle school adventure club. Uh, we went kayaking in September. Next week, we're going biking uh, through the the rail trails. Uh, we hope to go for a hike. We're gonna bring the middle school to the winter sports complex. So that's just a once-a-month after-school. We start. We leave at 1:30, and then it goes till about 5:30. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, if your schools have buddies, uh, there's so many buddy projects that you can do in the outdoors. We collected rocks with our buddies. We brought them in, painted them. We wrote Bible messages on them, and we hid them around the schoolyard. Fort building. Okay. That's featured. Leaf art. I mean, you can be sorting, collecting, you know, measuring, organizing, counting—so many things just with leaves. Reading our folk tales around the fire—that was one of my favorites. And they always say, "You're going to let us build a fire," and I make them collect all the wood and haul it. Compost in a bottle. Uh, we just are watching how food rots. <laughs> uh, carton landfill experiment. We took milk cartons and we. Uh, we found different things from around natural or uh, unnatural, man-made products, and put them in milk cartons. And we're seeing we're gonna excavate them later and see how how they changed in the soil. Decomposer hunt with iPads. Uh, lake under a log nature hunt. Bug catching. We built bug houses. We learned about why bugs are important for the garden. So well, a lot of kids are scared of bugs. Right? They want to squash them all the time, uh, but we need bugs. We had an entomologist visit last week. That was cool. Uh, rain walks. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what your schools are like for like recess time, but if it's raining, we cancel recess, right? I mean, it's raining, so it's indoor recess. Uh, but I mean, the rain is amazing. It's so fun, and so put on some rain gear, and we just go outside and splash, and... Uh, they're all holding things they found that could collect raindrops. What's the forest like in the rain? So we do the kindergarten this week, and my daughter Ivy came home that night and she said, "Dad, do you know what a forest is like in the rain?" And I thought it's fun to see the, the parent end of it, like what that they're you know learning, you know they're experiencing life in nature. Uh, there they just decided to try to build a dam. Discovering clay, you know, they start digging in a puddle and we find clay and we can make things. Where do animals go in the rain? Uh, That was actually a a read-aloud book that we read, and they became a worm rescue squad, and we learned why worms come out in the rain, and then we rescued them from the parking lot. And, I mean, fine motor skills with the tweezers. Hikes. There is an actual Michigan, Michigan Trails Week in September, so I would make that our school trails week. So each grade would go off campus for a hike. Just some reflection with hiking trips. Buddy heights. Sticky nature cards, it's just an index card with double-sided tape on it. Uh, We're comparing and contrasting habitats. I later changed that into using book tapes on uh, wristbands for bracelets, because that's faster. Harvesting seeds, the plants that we left in the hoop house over the summer, then bolted and turned into seed heads, and so we collected the seeds off of that and replanted things. I didn't know that you could collect seeds from actual tomatoes, but you can, and we did that, and so we, uh, we so these, are, these are the cherry tomatoes that we planted in the spring, I grew them at my house all summer long, and I brought the tomatoes back, and we harvested the seeds out of the tomatoes, and we're going to replant those. Uh, We planted marigolds in our hoop house for over the summer, knowing we weren't going to be there. I thought, at least there's something beautiful there. And then we started getting the seeds off the marigold heads. The American chestnut tree uh, is a historical outdoor education uh, story that you can tell. I won't tell it to you now, but we have someone in our school who has chestnuts, and she brought them in so we could see them. Leaf rubbing. Uh, We made greeting cards out of leaf rubbing. Uh, we yeah, they all rubbed down the front of a card, and then we sold them in packets, and so that was one way that we funded things for our program. We also sold some of the greens from our greenhouse, just parts of a leaf, leaf rubbing. Tarp squares, I had the fifth graders take a big part, or a tarp, measure it out into different pieces, and we cut it up and now we use them as tarp squares outside. Not only carpet squares, but for the outdoors. Sometimes we even put those right on the stumps if the stumps are wet. Someone donated a lot of gourds. And so <laughs> we did gourd activities. Uh, much of what we do outside is just dictated by the weather or the things that we have on hand. And so we learned about gourds and sorting and what the seeds look like. We made oobleck inside of pumpkins because it was messy already, but they were following directions and they were learning about states of matter. Uh, we got out all the scales and balances we could find, and we were doing um, science investigations, which was cut up. The ninja stick, it's just a fun team building activity about trying to lower the whole stick as a team or one person drops it and the other person is catching it. Uh, we went outside with <coughs> kindergartners and did leaf threading where they had a it was a plastic needle and a piece of yarn and they thread the leaves on it and when we got back in, we graphed the different colors of leaves. Identifying the types of trees, we have four types of maple trees on our campus. Identifying poison ivy—that's important. Taught them how to do that. A lasagna garden is just adding nutrients to your soil through different layers of brown and green matter. Sit spots. There's the tarps again. The boy sitting in a hole. Uh, This is my uh, favorite—the Seek app by iNaturalist. Uh, If you don't have that, you just want it for your personal use because I scan things all the time. But we put them on our. Our iPads, and so they can go and identify. That's how we identified a lot of trees and just plants, and it does buds, the roly poly things that we found underneath the stumps. We just scanned them and we figured out what they were. Camp experiences, we've gone to Camp Scotty, we've gone to Camp Henry. Um, just this year, we invited the Spanish Immersion Program to come with us, and that was, was a neat team building activity. And that was just a winter. I'm Bird feeders, feeding the birds, survival series, uh, and with our, my book clubs, we were reading about survival stories. Anyway, that's the list, Tracker, Wood Song, Hatchet, My Side of the Mountain, and the Wildlife. So since we were reading those, we thought we might as well try to survive also. And so we did shelter building that year. They had to fit themselves in a shelter in the big woods. Uh, the following year, we could not go out to the big woods, so um, they had to shelter my beanie baby cow. Uh, But I gave them three tests. It had to be waterproof, livable, and storm test. Uh, And I actually threw rocks at their shelters to see if they were stormproof. Somewhere, somewhere. Water filters, fire building, uh, learning about invasive species. Again, the emerald ash borer was already out there, so we learned about it. And the the tar spot on on the maple leaves was already out there, so we learned about it. Hot and cold water, snow investigations, Winter water safety, when can you go out on a frozen pond? That's practical knowledge to know. Uh, And then we play hockey. Uh, We just go sledding and snowboarding. I think it's important for us to instill the love of winter into our kids. It's not a scary time of the year where we're cold and we never go outside. It's a beautiful time of year where it's cold and we still go outside. Uh, So we, we just have a lot of fun outside. That's me with my snowboard, too. Uh, we built landforms in the snow, and then we made presentations about the different landforms we built. Animal tracking, winter hikes. We made ice ornaments. This is a good buddy activity. You can put any container, decorate it with things you find outside, fill it with water, put a string in it, leave it the next day, and it's an ornament. Uh, Christmas time, we just make nature ornaments outside. Snow in a jar predicting, uh, you know, when it melts, how much water is there going to be there versus snow. Uh, the, maybe you've heard of the 1,000 Hours Outdoor Platform. Uh, we decided to do the 100 Hours Outside Challenge, so this started when we first came back in January, and uh, any kid who filled out the 100 hours of time outside on their own got a certificate, and they could pick a sticker and a water bottle. Winter Olympics, you know, curling, speed skating half on. <laughs> Kitchen scrap gardening. Uh, you know, wintertime for farmers is the time to come in and plan for the next year and to start your seeds. And so I, I think it's important in agriculture to think about what are the farmers doing in the wintertime. And we're not always outside on every bitter, cold day in the wind. Sometimes you are inside, and there are things to do inside, like planting. Um, animatedknots.com is an awesome, but uh, it teaches you step-by-step how to tie knots. So they could do that on the Chromebooks too. Erosion trials, trying to build something, sticking those little markers in it and then spraying water on it. And if it eroded, how could you fix it? Evergreen studies, nature hunts. I like to use uh, hole punches on paper. It's an easy way to mark it. Shadow science, Ground, <laughs> groundhog's day. Uh, <laughs> this one's a little silly. Sometimes it's a little silly, but it's kind of fun because the kids love it. But I just printed out some groundhogs and laminated them, but think about the things you can do. The history of groundhogs, the vernal equinox in the solar system, animals coming out of hibernation. I've taught all of that, and then we hide groundhogs in to try to find them, Just funny. Snow volcanoes, again, chemical reactions, following steps, teaching landforms. Indoor planting, uh, we do tomato, uh, we planted tomato seeds, and then we sold the seedlings because... Everyone's buying tomato plants come May, and so why don't we plant them and then grow them and we sell them for four dollars a piece? And there's a fundraiser for us. Uh, we planted marigolds for mothers today, and we did do it in the. We planted them all in those milk cartons too. We just sold them that way. It worked fine. Growing beans, sunflowers. The kids could take them home. We tried doing uh, snap peas. Um, that actually didn't work very well, so don't do snap peas. Planting a little garden, sorry I said that. Uh, designing a garden with seed catalogs. Uh, this kid's mom told me that that was his favorite, one of his favorite things he did in Outdoor Red, which fascinates me, but just looking through seed catalogs and planting your gardens. Uh, the Muskegon Lusian Adventure Sports Park, take the kids luging. Uh We go skiing, cross country skiing, ice skating, even down to kindergartners. They can ski. Tower garden. And then springtime, identifying the blooms, incubating eggs, uh, cleaning up trash, uh, making these nature frames with buddies, pulling weeds, this is my favorite, look at this face, how to plant a tree, nature symmetry, geometry shape walk, just walking around looking for different shapes and buildings, mapping out the solar system, Dissecting a daffodil, building a dam, writing nature poetry. Earth people, we read the um, story of Genesis and the Lord formed man out of the ground, and so we formed people out of the ground. Frog life cycle, because we happen to have tadpoles. That's, That's a good picture in the middle there, the frog catching. Nature graphing, collect things from nature, graph it fits into a lot of math standards. Just taking general work outside. I mean, they can, yeah, they can do a worksheet in a tree. <laughs> Nature mandalas, a lot of symmetry and math and that. Nature art, you can write stories about those. 1000hours.com uh, has just many different theme types and uh, outdoor ideas for every um, month. Uh, these. This is website books it's a read aloud site uh, and so if you just read aloud stories and then taking the concepts from the read aloud just outside here's just a quick blast of some final ideas I just read this weekend the book *Balance and barefoot baskets of pine cones acorns small slices of the trees for building creating counting spring nature into your classroom Use stick mobiles uh, plants to care for natural treasures like feathers nests, rocks shells introduce a topic Take a pondering walk, come back and discuss it. Practice public speaking outside to project your voice. Hopscotch games for counting, skip counting, multiplication, adding games. Have Forest Monday, a wilderness Wednesday, an outdoor hour. Use the environment as your third teacher. Just look what you have around. Offer loose parts to inspire creativity and imagination. Uh, here's just some practical things I've learned along the way. Plastic page protectors is the number one thing I have stocked. Keeps papers dry. You can write on them with the dry erase, or no, the wet erase markers. You can wash them off later. They're reusable. If you take just paper outside, the wind crinkles it. It's sprinkling in the air wet. Plenty of baskets for collecting and gathering. Uh, the milk cartons. I like to keep soil just in rubber-made containers because they're easy to haul around and then they stay moist tops on. Various size uh, distributing containers. I have a whole thing of these flags. That way I can go flag a tree that I want you know kids to study from. Stash of extras. Uh, and then this is just in general outdoor red supplies that are handy to have on hand. Um, first aid kit is probably one I would highlight the most. Uh, and then here are some books. Some books are on my bookshelf, uh, Richard Lou is a strong voice when it comes to outdoor education and nature for children. And so those are three books I've read from him. Again, I'll have a list of notes that you can take, and these will all be on there. Uh, Balance and Barefoot is what I've been referencing. There's no such thing as bad weather, that's more of like uh, a mom who brought her kids to um, a Scandinavian country and what it was like for her students, uh, for kids there through education. Thousand Hours Outdoors has put out a book. They also have an activity book that's full of a lot of the similar ideas to what I've shared. These are two um, classroom gardening guides, the Grow Lab series. Forest Schools Adventures is a fantastic book uh, if you have access to trees. If you don't, I have a friend who told me the urban forest school is, uh, is just as good for more urban settings. The outdoor classroom and practice, ages three through seven, but that's a month by month guide of things you can do every month, and it comes with learning targets, which is nice. Uh, Outdoor school has a series of books. That one's on hiking and camping. I would say that's uh, an older, more middle school um, age, just ideas. Roots, shoots, buckets, and boots, different themed garden, the wild weather, things you can do in wild weather. And uh, just some more that some colleagues have read, Dirty Teaching, Nature Preschools for Forest Kindergarten. And here's some websites. Kidsgardening.com is full of lessons for every grade level, uh, and it doesn't have to be just gardens. They have things like the kitchen scrap gardening, was in there, um, making seed balls, things like that. Michigan Agriculture. They have a whole platform, michiganag.com, and then there's also, if you're not from Michigan, they have just Ag Classroom, but if you're not from Michigan, go there anyway, get all the stuff. Uh, But they have videos of farmers, and they have curriculum for every grade level. There's actually National Agriculture Literacy Outcomes, which I plan to use this spring. Chippewa uh, Nature Center has just tons of different types of scavenger hunts, so you can print those out, go outside, try the different hunts. Those are all Michigan-based thousand hours outside, has a platform, podcasts, many different ideas. Uh, The children Nature Center is just a research library of any research space, you know, more of the the depths and studies behind why children need to be outside in education. Here's just some funding ideas. Uh, We did a booth at the auction and we uh, just printed out a picture, put some money on uh, how much it would be worth and see if, you know, how people buy different items for it so you know a pack of seeds is $13 so someone say I'll buy a pack of seeds and they provide $13 so that's one way we funded it Um, this is just idea to have memorial tree donations with plaques our development director helped coordinate our larger donations our seedling sales brought in uh, a lot of funding our greens and greetings and then our maple syrup and uh, the final one here is just getting your community involved I sent these papers home Um, During our uh, opening days of school, and I got quite a few back of parents who uh, were experts in these categories, just of bringing nature, you know, there's such an area of expertise, I'm sure, surrounding your schools that uh, tap into it, because you don't have to know everything, and I definitely don't know everything, and so getting more people involved in, in on it. So, to finish us up, um, if you would like to continue the Outdoor Ed conversation, we're going to have a roundtable discussion in this room at 3.30 today, Uh, so if you'd like to come and just talk more and we can ask questions or share ideas, we'll be here. And I'm Amber Bull. there's my uh, email address in our school, and if you scan that QR code right there, it will have this entire slideshow on there and then any links that I had or books that I had and a few lesson plans on there as well so you're welcome to scan that and that